And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky, an attorney and partner at the law firm of Mauk and Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. You can learn more about us and subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter by going to maukbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com or calling 312-726-1243. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter to keep up to date on our show or visit our website to view our entire podcast library of previous Lawyers for Jesus interviews. Do you know a church that is broken away from its denomination? What are the reasons a congregation might do this, and how should denominational leaders respond? Today our guest is Chuck Legvold, the pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Aurora, Illinois, a church that exists to lead people into intimate relationships with Jesus his family, and community. Westminster Presbyterian Church is also a member of ECO and a Malkin Baker client, and we help navigate through a denominational church split. Chuck, welcome to the show. It's good to hear your voice and good to spend some time with you. Good, Chuck. Uh, Tell us more about your church community. Uh, Westminster Church is in Aurora, which is the second largest uh, community in uh, Illinois outside of Chicago proper. We're a church of about uh, 200 or so uh, covenant partners. That's what we call our members in ECO. And uh, we have been in ECO for about uh, three and a half years now. Uh, But the church is about 60, 62 years old, somewhere in that neighborhood, and has existed here on the uh, west side of Aurora and done ministry here all that time. Okay, what what events uh, led up to your church seeking to... uh... Uh, split away from your prior denomination? Well, uh, this is mainly a an elder uh, member of our session, actually more than one member of our session, who had been observing, along with a number of other of uh, us, the uh, steady, not necessarily slow, but steady um, um, drift away from orthodox belief and practice in our former denomination, uh, the Presbyterian Church USA. And uh, my elders simply raised at a session meeting uh, some things that had happened to a General Assembly, and they said, what are we going to do about this? Because we are a, a more conservative, a more orthodox uh, theologically, uh, theological congregation, and how are we going to respond to this? And essentially the process led us to the point that there was nothing we could do to maintain our identity, our integrity, and stay in the PCUSA. So at that point, we decided to seek to uh, to move to another denomination, and then we ended up deciding to uh, to pursue going into uh, the Covenant Order of Evangelical Presbyterians, otherwise known as Ego. Okay, and were there were there other possibilities that you looked at? Yes, we did look at the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. We had uh, representatives of both denominations come and uh, sit down and do extensive. 
presentations to our session. Uh, our, our pastor of our sister church, actually our mother church across town here, is an EPC church. And uh, uh, Pastor Jeff Moore came and spent some time with us, and uh, we gave him a thorough grilling about life and ministry in the EPC. <laughs> and a former pastor here of Westminster, uh, Paul Peterson, came and made a presentation to us about ECO, and ECO just seemed to be a much better fit for us. Okay. And uh, at that point, what did you do? What was the first thing you did? Well, the first thing we did is, is to... Uh, uh, create a team of people that would try to figure out exactly how we were going to go about doing that. Uh, it was a discernment team, and they really did 18 months' worth of, of work, which just culminated in, in leading, uh, talking to the uh, denominational uh, representatives. Uh, once we made that decision, though, we uh, began to set into motion a process by which uh, we uh, became our own 501c3 uh, organization, and we hired an attorney, you. And <laughs> we uh, went through the process of changing things in the state of Illinois to reflect our new corporate status. I mean, there was a lot of things that we had to do that I had no idea what to do. Uh, you and your team did a lot of that work for us. We educated the congregation, and we prepared then for the uh, congregational meeting, which took place on uh, October 18th of uh, 2015. All right. And uh, I'm not asking you to describe um, all the steps that went into this, but what was the process like for the congregation in terms of their reaction and, uh, uh, and that sort of thing? Well, it was kind of confusing, I'll be honest with you, for, for a lot of our folks, because as is true of a lot of churches, most folks just don't spend, uh, spend a lot of time thinking about, looking about, uh, looking at uh, information coming from their denomination, if they're a part of our, our denomination. We're, we're really centralized on who we are as a church. And so the question really became, what difference will this make? I mean, can we not stay in our old denomination and not go through the hassle of, of becoming a different corporate entity and so forth? And it, it it became quite a hassle. And one of the one of the issues, of course, was the uh, the constant education of our of our congregation as to the differences, and also the constant education of our congregation as to the things that would not change. Now, for instance, the whatever troubles we were having as a congregation in terms of our identity in the community and how we were carrying out discipleship and so forth, if they were baggage before we changed denominations, they those things would remain. And so uh, that was the biggest uh, difficulty, is trying to note the difference and then mm -hmm. trying to demonstrate how, how the difference would be better if we moved to another uh, denomination. Okay. Uh, this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky of the law firm Malkin Baker. Today we're speaking with Pastor Chuck Legvold of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Aurora about his experience with a denominational change for Westminster. And uh, do, you, do you think legal assistance is pretty much always necessary for this kind of situation? Having gone through this, Whit, I would say absolutely. And in fact, I have... Um, Anybody that contacts me now in, uh, within our presbytery or really across the country, if someone contacts me now, when they ask me the question, what's the first thing we should do? Well, the first thing I say is, be sure that's what God wants you to do. 
Pray, f- yeah. pray about it, discern it. And if it's clear to you that God wants you to do that, the next step to take is to hire solid, experienced legal representation. Yeah, I think that's, that's good advice, Chuck. Yeah. Uh, when did you go to the Presbytery and say you wanted to leave? Well, we originally went to Blackhawk Presbytery and told them we wanted to go through their dismissal process, which uh, was a very, very, um, uh, how shall I say, it was a high hurdle to cover. <laughs> and part of part of our problem that we had with them, and this was initially, this was like uh, a year before we actually took the vote, um, which was in late 2015, so in late 2014. Uh, and uh, we told them we wanted to do this. Uh, they set the process in motion, but the problem we had is they kept changing their mind, changing the rules, changing all kinds of things on us, and we just simply finally got fed up with that and decided to disaffiliate as opposed to seek dismissal. Yeah, I, my experience has been uh, with not only in the PCUSA but in other denominations is that mm-hmm. that frequently happens. The, the goalposts get moved, the process gets changed, uh, so that, uh, you know, it just seems to take forever and ever mm-hmm. in doing the the paperwork and so on. So right. um, uh, that's sometimes you just have to bite the bullet as it, as it were. <laughs> but, yeah. but is there, do you, do you think there was anything else that could have been done uh, to resolve the disputes with the denomination? Yeah, and just briefly, let me speak to, speak to the fact that we were not unhappy with our presbytery. Uh, our presbytery was kind of a live and let live presbytery. presbytery. We had evangelical churches. They still do in Blackhawk Presbytery uh, and some very liberal uh, theological churches. And we got along well, but it was the denomination that was a problem. And so th- the answer to that question is, it really is no. I don't think there was anything else we could do because our issues were not cultural uh, they were not polity-based. They were theological. And it was very clear that the PCUSA was heading down a road that we could not go. It was certainly heading down a road that I, as a pastor, could not go. Yeah, my, my own experience uh, with the PCUSA was that, uh, you know, I fought the, fought the good fight for a long time within the <laughs> denominational structure, you know, going up within the denominational courts. But right. ultimately, uh, as... Uh, evangelicals and evangelical churches left the denomination, it became harder and harder to resist this this drift as you've described it. So, yes, indeed. Um, all right, so uh, what's the aftermath of, uh, of this been like? I mean, uh, I guess it's been uh, a process after you left, right? Oh, yeah. Nothing changes overnight. The only thing that changes is the name on the stationery. I mean that that, and we tried to make that very clear to our congregation. Uh, and you know, when um, when I talked to another eco pastor who had gone through this kind of process before, one of the things that he told me was that you will experience great surprises and great joy, but you will also experience some real disappointments in individuals and in the congregation as well. Coming up. We will talk further with Chuck Legvold, pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Aurora, about how congregations and denominational leaders can both respond to tension within the body of Christ. I'm Whit Brisky, and you're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio.
Hello, I'm David Smith, Executive Director of the Illinois Family Institute, an independent nonprofit ministry dedicated to boldly bringing a biblical perspective to public policy. Here at IFI, our mission is to support traditional family values, defend biblical truths, and uphold Christian morals. We consider Mauk and Baker our allies in this mission, and we are proud to support them in their legal endeavors. Mauk and Baker is a law firm that upholds Christian beliefs, putting God first. If you ever find your religious liberty and rights as a person of faith under attack, you can trust the attorneys of Mauk and Baker to fight for you. Mauk and Baker has a team of Christian lawyers who seek to achieve justice and advance the gospel through their work. If you have a legal need or question and would like the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact Mauk and Baker at 312-726-1243 or visit their website at maukbaker.com. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky, partner of the law firm of Mauk and Baker, and we're talking with Pastor Chuck Legvold about his church's experience with a denominational church split and how others can navigate a potential split. Uh, Chuck, it's, it's my impression from what you've said already that uh, changing denominations is not a magic bullet that will automatically solve the problems in, in any uh, church congregation. Uh, would you like to expand on that? Sure, I'll just take a, a short time to do that. It's absolutely not the answer to all the questions. What it does is that it allows you to maintain a sense of integrity and your commitment to the authority of the scriptures and, and so forth. Uh, but the, the things that were essential to the day-to-day and week-to-week flight life of the congregation, those things don't change. We didn't suddenly have a bunch of new people coming through the door, for instance. You know, we didn't suddenly have a big influx, influx of young families. Uh, all of which we would like to have, but that's part of the baggage that Westminster carries with it. Those things have to be addressed down the line, and they won't be addressed simply by changing a denomination. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Have you had any uh, pushback from any other churches uh, within the PCUSA or uh, from any of the pastors that you uh, used to work with uh, in the PCUSA? Uh, No, not really. I mean... um, I really don't spend much time in circles with with some of them, some of the evangelicals, of course, like the guys in my pastor's covenant group. I see at least on a monthly basis, and we maintain good friendships, uh, but uh, they don't have a problem with us leaving. You know, uh, Some of them are still considering that possibility of, of leaving themselves or, or taking their churches and, and leaving and so forth. Uh, but I've really gotten no uh, pushback from our former executive presbyter or stated clerk or something. They basically just wanted us to go away. <laughs> you know, that was that was one of those. They just wanted us to go away. The only pushback I've received is that being a part of Eco now is that uh, we have we have uh, helped at least two other churches, and I think there are others in the pipeline leave the PCUSA, and I've been instrumental in doing so. I'm probably something of a persona non grata uh, to some of them, but they don't talk to me. <laughs> well, I, I may be too, so... Uh. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. <laughs> now, when your congregation voted to leave, were there serious splits within the congregation over whether to leave or not? Uh, we had a group of probably, I'm trying to remember the percentages, I think it was 13% of the voting 
members, which and we didn't have 100% of our membership there when we voted, but about 13%, if I remember right, decided they did not want to go. A couple of those people stayed with us because we were their church family, but the others have filtered out to other churches. Uh, part of the problem sometimes you have when, when that happens is that you lose those relationships, those relationships get broken, or sometimes they are maintained outside the walls of the church, which is perfectly fine, except that some of those folks that left have been, on occasion, uh, folks that have sort of been, uh, I'll just use the term, bad-mouthing us, or bad-mouthing me as the pastor. And that's just something you learn to live with. Yeah, that, that can happen with uh, internal congregational divisions or splits uh, uh, in any event. Sure. Uh, uh, is there anything you can do to help uh, heal the congregational uh, splits or... Uh, uh, conflict? Well, I think one of the big things to do, and I thought we did this pretty well, was to be clear up front in the course of the process, in the discernment process, about why we think this is a good idea, why we want, uh, why we want to, to go in, in a direction of another denomination, but also to assure people that one of two things will happen when that, when that occurs. Number one, uh, we would like you to stay uh, and you will you'll feel comfortable here because week to week we're still going to be basically the congregation we've been for the last decade or two or three. But if you want to leave, we want to help you do that peacefully. We want to help you find another church home uh, where you will be comfortable. Um, and we did, I feel we did that constantly. But, you know, people that are angry, people that are upset are going to continue to be upset. There's really nothing I can do to change that. No amount of preaching or counseling or letter writing can change that. So you have to be willing to let people be upset if they want to be upset. Yeah, and uh, uh, but the worst thing that could happen is that somebody would fall away and stop going to church altogether. Yes, and we and to say. be honest with you, we have seen a few instances of that. And we have tried to reach out to those people to encourage them to find another church home. And in some places, we've been successful and others we have not. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky of Malkin Baker. We're speaking with Chuck Legvold, pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Aurora. Uh, are there any, uh, you know, Jesus talks in his high priestly prayer in John about uh, the unity of the church and that his desire that all of us should be one. Uh, are there examples of church splits in the Bible or, or some sort of split within the, the body of Christ that can give us some way of kind of counteracting uh, people who say, you know, we should never split the church because Jesus wants all of us to be one? Well, we have to remember that the reason the church is, exists is to honor, glorify, worship, and share Jesus with others. And if we cannot agree about who Jesus is and what his claims are, if we cannot agree upon what the scriptures teach us, it's very hard to hold those kind of bonds together. Uh, institutionally, I believe that denominationalism, which ruled this country for a long time, is dead. I, I really don't think that that, that is an, even an issue anymore. They're just institutions that are there for survival. When we look at the scriptures, when we look at the New Testament, the book of Acts, for instance, we see interpersonal 
splits. We see Paul and Barnabas splitting over a disagreement about a partner in ministry. We see uh, the Church of Jerusalem uh, enabling a split to have people go and take the gospel to the Gentiles while they stayed in their own place. Even in the book of Revelation, we see Jesus coming to some of the seven churches in Revelation 2 or 3 and saying, if you don't get the, your act together, I'm going to come and split you. <laughs> that, that, that's, yeah. that's the issue, but the, 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 the foundation of it all is, who is Jesus? And a lot of churches don't believe in who Jesus says he is anymore, and so the basis for our unity, which is Jesus himself, uh, is, is therefore lost. Yeah. Yeah, and and so it's really, the split has already really happened in those mm-hmm. cases where the disagreement is there, and it's merely institutional unity that is sought to be preserved, and if the institution isn't doing what it's supposed to do uh, as a church, then, you know, what are we doing? What's the point? Right. Um, what, would, what would you say uh, to other churches that might be, considering going through this same sort of process. Oh, boy. I don't think we have enough time to cover all that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, take, take, take a minute or two. I'll do that. It's sort of like someone who comes to me and says, uh, I want to be a, I, I feel God's calling me to be a pastor. What, what do you want to tell me about that? It takes a while. <laughs> but, but, but very briefly, I would say, uh, pray diligently. You know, really seek God about this, because this is not for the faint of heart. Our, our movement from one denomination to the other was actually pretty smooth compared to what some churches go through. Uh, but, but pray diligently, get legal help, uh, absolutely, and in the course of the process, don't get discouraged, don't be impatient. If God wants you to do something, he will enable it to happen. Uh, and one other thing I would say is, get all your church leaders, your congregational leaders on board. If they're not on board, if you have staff members, if you have elders in the Presbyterian Church, uh, if they're not on board, it's not only going to be a hard sell to, to move, it's going to be hard after you leave because they will always want to go back to old ways. So that would be my set of recommendations. All right. Uh, I got about a minute left. Okay. Uh, uh, from your perspective, is there anything that uh, denominational leaders should do or could do better uh, to resolve tension when they see many of their churches unhappy with the direction of the denomination? Uh, that's to me, is a very simple answer. Let them go. Let them go. Um, it, it, so much time, energy, and material is wasted in fighting over things, fighting over property, and oftentimes that really is the essence of what these fights are about. Let them go. Let them, regardless of their theological bent, let them go and do what God has called calls to do. It's one of the things that ego allows us to do, and it's one of the things that attracted us to them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I say to uh, all clients, uh, and, but especially to, uh, to church clients, you know, a, a bad settlement is almost always better than good litigation. And <laughs> I remember you saying that, yes. <laughs> and, you know, once you get in litigation, you're, you're paying my, for my kids' college education. And that's, not, <laughs> that's not necessarily the best thing. Uh, okay, Pastor Chuck, we appreciate your speaking with us today. How can uh, people learn more about Westminster? Well, they can go to our website, which is uh, www.wpc10, uh, the number 10, dot org. 
or they can contact me at Pastor Chuck at WPC10.org. Thanks, Chuck. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243. Again, that's 312-726-1243 or at malkbaker.com, M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Malkin Baker is a Christian law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals with their legal needs. Call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. 312-726-1243. I'm Whit Brisky, partner at Malkin Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.